How we doing? Welcome into episode eight of the recap. I'm your host, Ryer, and today we got Bryce back on. Bryce, damn, that was uh, a lot of uh, exciting hockey news this week. Oh my God, I've been in heaven over here. <laughs> Just paying attention to all the, the trades and the draft and the free agent signings. It's been a blast. Yeah, there's still some stuff like coming up. We'll get it. We'll talk about it later. But some some guys still out there that I'm interested to see where they go and other moves that get made. But for now, we're gonna start off with a little draft talk, and then we're gonna go to the trades around the league, and then we'll finish off with the big free agent signings. So let's get right into it. Draft day. Johnny Manziel, or I mean Alexis Lafreniere, start, kicks it off. Uh, goes number one, so no Jack Eichel trade. A little disappointed, but uh, Sabres had some other big no- news we'll get to. But Lafreniere, uh, and then two, you have Quinton Byfield, the highest uh, black player, player ever chosen in the NHL draft. Uh, what do you think about that one-two punch there? Um, I think that... I mean, like I said last week, uh, go, Lafreniere going to the Rangers, I think that that is a wonderful spot for him. And I think that there's going to be a lot, of, um, a lot of room for him to really find his groove there um, because they are a younger roster right now. And I think that with Quentin Byfield going to L.A., I think that's an awesome spot for him to – to find his game as well. LA is a team that's kind of in a rebuilding mode, had a rough year last year. They need some people. And as far as uh, this kid goes, there was some time there that he was slated as the, the number one in some people's picks. So until like obviously world juniors, but um, even world juniors, that kid played well. I think that he's, I think he's a great player. If you have seen any of uh any of the clips and stuff of him in Sudbury, it's um, they're not getting a not getting a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. That's for sure. Yeah, he's huge too. Six four, two fifteen already. So he's going to be a force down the middle. Uh, yeah, I heard he's obviously got good skills, everything like that. This is Byfield. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to what he can turn into. And then Lafreniere. Uh, I think exactly what you said. It's going to be a good spot for him to come in immediately and contribute. I'm curious to see what they do with him, if they slot him um, second line or if they try and put him with Zabinijad and Panarin. Like, I'm curious to see what they do there. But, uh, yeah, it should be good either way. Uh, you got notes on the highest American drafted this year there wasn't too many of them so what do we got on Jake Sanderson I think went fifth overall you said yeah uh, he went to Ottawa and Ottawa had a great draft in the first round they had so many picks in the first I think it was like 70 I think they had right around six or seven picks in the first 70 um, picks so they got Stutzel as well at three I believe yeah they got Stutzel at three they got Sanderson at five and they also added Ridley Gregg, um, who's a center, and they got him 28th overall. So that's another roster. You look down their roster, and they don't have many guys that are older than 25. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be good for them to, to get groomed. But one thing that you almost have to be weary about is three or three or four years down the road when 
all these contracts are due. Um, if these kids are as good as they should be being first round picks, that's going to be a lot of money to dish out. Just kind of like, uh, like Toronto's situation over there. Yeah. I think they'll be safe for now because they have no other good players at all. I think Toronto is in a sort of a different position. They had some bigger contracts already, I feel. And they signed like Tavares. I think that, yeah, if you get these two like Stutzel and Sanderson, and then obviously you have Kachuk who we already know is, I mean, I would expect him to only get better at this point. So you have those, you know, that core right there. Um, that's something to build on in the future for sure. Yeah. Uh, the other note I had here from the draft was the trade towards the end. I think it was the only trade in the first round. I want to say like swapping picks where the Caps moved up to from 24 to 22 and they took Hendricks uh, Lapierre, I think it is. Uh, and I didn't really know much about this until I looked into it afterwards, but apparently this kid was supposed to be a higher draft pick, like possibly I even saw like top 10, but he had injuries, a uh, bad injury that forced him to drop and they move up and grab him. And it kind of reminds me, I guess, of when Forsberg was dropping down and they were able to pick him. Uh, obviously they wasted that. Thanks, George McPhee. Hate you. Uh, but anyways, so we'll see if maybe this was another move like that where they're thinking high risk, but also high reward. Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't too, um, aware of this, but I think that is, it's going to be a, uh, a move that hopefully can pay off for them. Yeah. And they don't need anything really in the pipeline right now. That's a luxury they have is they can kind of wait and groom players later on. I am still curious to see what they if McMichael ends up playing this year. I don't think he will. But anyways, uh, then last story I had here was Columbus picking this random Russian that was ranked 160th on pretty much everyone's draft boards out of nowhere. Uh, it's got a lot of people talking. It's a curious move to me because I like if you see something in a guy, okay, like fair. But if the guy's ranked, that's, you know, maybe a guy who's ranked 60th and you take him in the first round because you're scared. Maybe you don't have a second round pick or something and you're scared he's going to he's gonna pass you by. But 160th feels like you could have got him a couple rounds down the, down the way. And uh, in doing that, you're kind of putting a lot of pressure on yourself because if you use the first round pick, and, you know, Columbus starts to get worse over the next couple of years and this kid's not doing anything, then, you know, it's like, okay, well, we wasted a first-round draft pick, basically. But, I mean, I'm going to counter that with, I think that their, their European scout must have done a hell of a job to find this kid and actually pitch that to his staff that that's the guy that they need to select. So I think that who knows, because if um, the professionals are the ones that are rating these guys, like the, um, the professionals, like guys, all the ones that rank them. Yeah. Media guy, like the media guys. Yeah. Yeah. All, the, all those media guys, not the actual they scouts might and not stuff. be in sync with the scouts, personal opinions of some of these players. And I think that that's like, a very bold pick, but 
but I, it could pay off for them. This kid, he's a great player. He's playing pretty good right now for uh, his team in Russia. So it could, it I could pay off. I saw that he's playing for Omsk and he's already got five points, I think in 12 games or maybe even five goals. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I just think it's uh, – oh, no, actually, update here. Six goals, two assists, eight points in 14 games. So, pretty good. Pretty good. So, it might work out just fine. I just – like, my only point was I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I'm not saying the kid's not talented. But feels like you probably could have got him in the second, you know, second round, maybe even third round. Uh, so it was just odd to me to use the first rounder. If you don't see anyone else you like, you could do the Bill Belichick and trade it away for two second rounders. You know what I mean? You grab them there. But I don't know, just my two cents on it. Uh, you well, got any – oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. Columbus, Columbus's second pick wasn't until 78th overall. Okay. So that, that could have been a contributing factor yeah. to that. But they could have made a trade like you had seen in the draft where they probably could have, even if they like, kind of heard rumblings that this kid was going to get selected, they could have made a trade earlier. Trade in a it second. down, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think, I think that uh, I don't know. We'll see how this uh, how it pans out. I mean, obviously, some Russians don't like to come over, and they, especially when they're younger, they like to uh, kind of feel it out. Look at Panarin, undrafted, he didn't come over till he was twenty four. So, yeah. So we'll see. Anyways, uh, you got any last notes on the draft or else we're going to move on here to trades around the league? Um, no, other than uh, Cole Perfetti dropping to 10th. I thought that um, he was going to go a little higher. But if you hear some of the experts talk, they said that had to do with his skating abilities. Yeah, you uh, got to be able to skate to play in the NHL. I heard that's pretty important. Uh, <laughs> no, I just think it's funny when they use that term, like their skating's bad. It's like, uh, dude, they just got drafted to the NHL. Their skating's obviously ridiculous. But it's to a, a much higher standard, so I understand what they're saying with the speed and everything today. That's, that's almost bigger in some aspects. Um, but moving on to trades here, kind of in order of how they happen from, uh, you know, last week to up to now Columbus gets uh, I almost just said Ty Domi Max Domi <laughs> Max Domi in a third for Josh Anderson uh, I thought this was a move that was kind of gonna get made no matter what I talked about it uh, a few weeks ago saying that it was someone wanted out whether it was the Canadians or Domi you know it was both sides some were saying Domi requested trade. Some were saying they were trying to trade him. I don't know what it was, but he ends up getting moved for Josh Anderson. Um, my thing here is I think they're – I don't know. I, I would see them as pretty similar players, like similar upside. So for Columbus to also get that third, they must have really just wanted to get rid of him. Can, the Canadians did. <laughs> yeah, um, I heard that. It could have been Max Domi not getting along along with uh, Claude Julien. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you saw how it went down in Boston with Claude and some of the younger guys. He he doesn't mesh well with some of them. So he hates think, anyone under the age of twenty five. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that uh, I I don't know. And then Domi turns around and signs a ticket there, so in Columbus, so. Yeah, I think, and I think 
Yeah. That as well. Sorry to interrupt there, but contract wise too, I like this trade much better for Columbus because Domi signs for two years, 5.3. So after his kind of down year this past year, you see if he can prove it in the next two years. And then if he does, you know, you sign him to a bigger ticket or, you know, get what, get some value out of him. And then Anderson signs for five and a half, but for seven years. And I, I don't know, man. I can't see him finishing that out. That's one of those types of contracts. But uh, we'll see in the end there. Obviously, like none of these we can judge right off the rip. But I think looking at it today, for me, I think Columbus won that trade there. Yeah, I do too because Domi had what, 61 points? What was it last year? Um, I so think it's 71, I think, the year yeah. before. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's a guy that uh, that's capable of putting up some points, um, completely opposite of what his dad was able to do, and um, but then Josh Anderson, I think that that is a um, an interesting move by the Canadians for a guy that had a small sample size last year. Uh, he only played twenty six games and had one goal and three assists. Um, yeah. He has an edge to him that I think that the Canadians need. And he's a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. So I think that that's going to work well. Like this kid, his best year was 27 goals and 47 points in a full 82-game season. So he's capable of being um, a second, third-line guy. But I was questioning the 5.5 for seven for sure. Yeah, I completely agree with you there on on all points. I just – that contract is a little much for me. I'm I'm starting to become more of a uh, I don't know. I don't like the long term deals for a lot of guys, depending on who they are. But moving on here, uh, another example of my philosophy on uh, spending money being uh, used in the wrong places is the Senators trade for Matt Murray, which I thought was a good trade. Uh, they get him for a second round, a second rounder and uh, the head coach of the Raiders, John Gruden. Uh, he's being sent to, <laughs> to the Penguins. Um, but anyways, they end up signing him for 6.25, which I think is a little bit of an overpay, especially since you already like have him. Uh, he was, I believe, restricted, so they could have signed him to whatever. Uh, or he wasn't – I think he might even have one year left. I, I, you know, I would have wanted to spend maybe five – on him especially after like the tougher year he had and he's had some injuries and things like that so yeah goaltender was I'm starting to become more of the guy where I don't think you should be spending more than like five million on a goalie and that's only if they're like you know a stud or really good because there's obviously exceptions to the rule but as we look around the league it seems more and more like it's becoming that um similar to the NFL where you want to draft a quarterback, use up his like early years where he's cheap and then like get rid of him. You know what I mean? Uh, you see goalies like Veselovsky and now like what the Capitals just did and keeping Samson off and getting rid of Holpe where you spend less money there on, you know, higher end guys and then uh, move on after that. Yeah. I mean, I've always had this mindset that, the two goalies should both be paid around $8 million combined. 
and mm-hmm. where that's divvied out that who knows with one being a younger guy, one being experienced or however you want to do it. I just think that giving a ticket that's that big for a kid that, I mean, yeah, he's got two cups. So, but, um, Ottawa was a team that needed a goalie and that could be, that could be, um, helpful for them. So it, I, I kind of like the move overall because they do need somebody on the back end that that's ready to fill in because Craig Anderson isn't coming back there. So. Yeah. I don't know. I was never really convinced that Matt Murray was like the best goalie they had on their team ever. Like even when he was on the Penguins, I feel like he just played well when he needed to obviously and got the ticket based off that, but we'll see what happens. Um, Moving on here, the Wild get Nick Bonino. Uh, they trade Luke Coonan, who I don't really know who that is. I think he's a prospect. Um, and some other picks they got back for him. Uh, but Bonino goes to the Wild. You know, it seems like a lot of what the Wild are doing are lateral moves, just kind of shuffling up the deck uh, in, in what we've seen so far from them this offseason which I think they obviously needed. And I think uh, Billy Guerin kind of made that clear. Like we need a culture change. We need something to mix up because I think we said this maybe a podcast or two ago that they're pretty much just the same exact team every year. Like they're solid. They make the playoffs and then they lose like right away. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I guess it's a good move. We'll, we'll see what happens this year, but they definitely had to shuffle some things around. So I think this is what one of those moves was. And Benino, I like him. He's a solid player. So uh, not a bad pickup there for them. Yeah. So um, this Coonan kid, he played for uh, Wisconsin for two years, but he played in the world juniors in 2016, 17. Um, he's a decent player. He played this this year was his first full season in the NHL, um, 63 games, 31 points. But he's played um, – before this year, he played 68 games in the NHL between two years. Um, not a bad player. He's I, – I honestly think he's like a middle-line a middle line guy with it being like a, like a two or three line. So I think that it could, uh, it could work for both ends especially with Nick Bonino being a little older, Luke Coonan is going to have time to grow in Nashville. For sure. Uh, next trade we got here, Devils get Ryan Murray for a fifth. I don't really have too much on this. It's kind of a whatever trade, but I just think it's crazy that Ryan Murray gets drafted one second overall, and he kind of has just never really ever lived up to that. Not to say that he's like a bad defenseman, but it's just one of those instances where you have that, you know, expected high ceiling. And there's a couple of seasons he was pretty good, but he's getting like, I think four and a half now. And to get traded for just a fifth, like that's going to be tough. Kind of just like getting rid of him, kind of a throwaway trade. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that, yeah, that definitely is kind of a throwaway trade. I think it was more, uh, like a contract dump than anything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Vegas trades Paul Statsny to Winnipeg for Carl Dahlstrom and a fourth. This also 
one of the salary dumps. Just wanted to put it in there because Stastny, obviously a bigger name, played well for Vegas while he was there. Um, smart move by them because he's obviously not getting any younger. So although he, he still has a little bit left in the tank, I, I don't mind that, you know, cutting, cutting ties there a little bit early. Yeah, I, I don't either, personally. I think that he liked his time in Vegas, but he did play in Winnipeg before he went to Vegas. So, he, and he only played for, like, the half part of the – I mean, the, the second half of the season. So, I think that, um, that him going back there could be good. They need some experience, especially playoff experience in Winnipeg that could potentially help them out. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that pick. I like that, uh, that pick up for sure. Yep, and then we got Chicago in, like, a really weird trade. They trade Sod and some, I don't know, some guy I don't know, for Nikita Zadorov and some guy I don't know, which was a really weird trade, I thought. Uh, getting Nikita Zadorov, he is, you know – well-known around the league, I think, at this point. He's not really, like, the best defenseman of all time, but he's huge, and he likes to agitate people. So he's definitely a piece to have on your team. Uh, I don't know that Chicago necessarily needed that piece or why the Avalanche wanted to get rid of him. But they get Brandon Sod back, who can contribute, I think, on the bottom six now. Uh, he's obviously not the player he was those first – uh, his first go around in Chicago. So we'll see how that goes, but I just, I don't know. I just thought this was a really random trade. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, like Zadorov going to Chicago, they need some D um, they're getting older and who knows how much more time Keith and Seabrook will be there. Um, Saad going to the avalanche. I don't know really where he's going to, fit in because they they're pretty well stacked if you look at that lineup so yeah I don't know um that was another situation where uh Chicago retained one million dollars of sods um five million a year so yeah I think just depth there for them and then uh, to your point their decor is getting older which is why I think it was weird because they certainly need D, but I would have thought they'd be looking for a different type of defenseman than Zadorov. Yeah. But the Avalanche get a different type of defenseman in Devon Tays, which I think is – I didn't really know anything about this guy until the last two years, but he's a pretty good – he's a solid defenseman. He can move the puck a little bit, score some points, play solid defense, worked in that system for the Islanders, so we'll see if it translates – uh, but I think that's a good pickup for the Avalanche. I think this was a move where they saw themselves falling out of uh, contention for uh, Petrangelo, who I believe they were in the mix for. So they pick up Devontae's instead. Yeah, I think that that's a good that's a good spot for him to go. Uh, he is another one that came off his first full season in the NHL, twenty eight points in sixty eight games as a defenseman. Who this kid plays more on his back end than, than offense. So I think that it's a good spot for him to be. Definitely. They definitely needed some help on defense. So 
Vancouver, this is the last one we got here. Vancouver trades for Nate Schmidt from Vegas. Uh, I texted Bryce the other night because I don't know what happened in Twitter's algorithm, but it sent me an update, and it looked like it was from a Capitals news source, and it was completely fake saying that they got him back. I had no idea how they did it because he doesn't fit in the cap, but I was freaking out. Texan Bryce, and turns out it was fake, and I was pretty pissed off. But anyways, he goes to Vancouver, so uh, good for him. I don't think he's very happy about it from what I've seen. Uh, not, not to say that he doesn't want to be in Vancouver, but just that he was a little bit blindsided. But uh, as we'll talk about, when you have a chance to get Petrangelo, you know, Nate Schmidt doesn't seem like – he seems a little bit more expendable. I think he's a, he's a great defenseman. He's at 30-plus points each year he's been there since Vegas. I was high on him when he was in D.C., um, I was surprised he didn't get protected in that uh, expansion draft, and I wish we had, but I guess there would have been other people that would have had to go. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good defenseman, and I would have loved him have back have him back on the caps, but instead he goes to Vancouver, who needs a defenseman like him, um, especially after they lost Tanev. See, if he's – yeah, now that they lost Tanev – he fits in there well. I think that he can bring a lot to that um, that defensive end where they had a year that a lot of people didn't think that they were going to um, with Vancouver going fairly deep into the playoffs. And they really contended for, uh, for the majority of it. And I think that it was pretty clear that they do need some um, depth on D. Uh, but I think that he fits in really well there. Yeah, and don't forget that when they went on that cup run, Vegas, Schmidt, I would, I, you would call him, it was either him or Shea Theodore, you would call one of those two guys their number one defenseman in that run. So he's obviously no slouch, uh, slouch so to get him, uh, I believe he gets like four and a half a year, so that's not a bad deal. Um, I think similar to what, uh, Tan have got. Uh, we can actually uh, just hop right into that because we have five, the signings coming. Yeah, Nate he got, Smith is making five point nine five. Okay, five point nine. So a little more. Tan have signed with Calgary for uh, four a year, I believe over four years. So um, I think you get an upgrade there over Tan have, and Vancouver's got to be pretty happy about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so too. I think that that's a it's a good spot. So uh, it's a good uh, it's a good pickup. So moving on now to the big signings we've got here, uh, we'll start off with Calgary since we just talked about Tanev. Along with Tanev, they signed Markstrom to a six-year deal. Uh, I believe it's also worth about six million. I'm not sure if they gave out the exact terms or not. But good signing for Calgary. They've needed solid goaltending. As we can see last year, they can be a really competitive. Last couple of years, actually, they were the one seed the year before. They can be a really competitive team. They need that, you know, goaltending is one of the glaring issues they've had. So I think you get Mark Sherm, especially after we saw how he played in the playoffs this year before he went down. And uh, you solidify that position for the next six years, which – is important for them because they're a younger, you know, growing team as well. So that really opens up their window. 
Yeah, it's, it's a good spot for him to be. They needed the goaltender, so yeah, it's uh, that's that move should work for sure. Uh, Shattenkirk goes to Anaheim for three years. This didn't disclose the term, so I don't know what he got. I I would have probably predicted to be around. I don't know, based on what he normally gets. I don't know, three, four, maybe even five, because he just won a cup. But uh, good move for him. He probably just took whoever gave him the biggest bag at this point. You know, he's had a great career, uh, just won his cup finally. Um, I think for Anaheim, sure. I don't know. When Shattenkirk played on the Capitals, I thought he was a waste of money. I was happy to get him, but then he was getting paid $6.5 million to do nothing. Uh, he wins with uh, Tampa Bay, but how much he had to do with that, I don't – I mean, he obviously played a part, but that team is also loaded. So, uh, decent signing for Anaheim, I guess. Uh, they're kind of yeah. in no land, so. <laughs> so, the details of that is 3.9 a year for three years. Um, I think that that is – it's tough to say. I I think that he could live this deal out. I don't know how valuable he will be in 22, 23. I, I really like him. I like them all the way back to his, his days at BU. Um, but he, I've always thought that he had a really good offensive side to him, but um, yeah, like you said, he, he's definitely, he had, he got bought out last year. So by New York. Yeah, and that clearly was for a reason. He's not the same player he used to be. He's, but who knows? Right? We've seen players that turn it around around age thirty-one. So this could be a, a situation where the scenery could help him out. Yeah, I think he was definitely good in Tampa Bay because he was a piece, um, and you know they're just adding, adding, adding. Uh, so solid defenseman. But you know, whatever. Good for him. He gets he gets a big bag, but. We'll see what he can contribute there. Uh, next deal, Craig Smith, three-year deal to the Bruins. Uh, what do you think about this one, Bryce? I saw a lot of angry Bruins fan on my Twitter feed because they were expecting a splash, and all they got was Craig Smith, who is not by, – by all means, he's not a bad player. Is he, you know, putting you over the top? I don't think so, uh, especially no. when you're looking for that second-line guy. But uh, sorry, go ahead. This is a guy that's averaging around like 40, 45 points a year. Um, he's right around 20 goals a year. He's uh, I, I think he's a great player for the Bruins to have in their middle lines where I, you could almost slate him in with like David Krejci and that we could see how that would work. Um, I think that a lot of Bruins fans are upset because they're like, who the hell is Craig Smith? he's I think that he's a perfect piece that that is going to work in Boston and so I don't know it's it's so hard to judge these things too if it's really going to to come out to what it's expected but I think that I think that he brings enough to Boston that I mean he's a two-way center and he can play the wing when he needs to it could be a guy that you could slot on your second power play line or a guy that you can put on your, um, on your PK. So we'll see. Yeah. I just think that after like what happened with Rask and kind of how they went out 
Bruins fans were upset and were expecting big moves to be made. Uh, and then this is what they get out of it, which if it was me, like if I had seen on uh, free agency day one, capital sign Craig Smith to a three-year deal, I would have been like, oh, that's nice. That's a good pickup. But obviously it wasn't the move they were looking for. I think they'll be pleasantly surprised, but they still do have some questions there with DeBrus still being unsigned. So I'm curious to see what they do there because I think they're like up against it now. So, and you can't really yeah. trade him away because you do need him. Um, yeah. Unless you're, you're trading him for a much bigger piece. I'm – um, by any means, I'm not. I'm not upset with this, but like you said with the whole Boston thing right now, he's the only guy that has signed, <laughs> and so it makes you a little nervous that you're waiting too long. Um, like, I'm not a huge fan of Don Sweeney's signings and like his um, his history with the first couple signing days in the last few years. So I think that he um, he needs to make a, a little bit bigger of a splash and sign somebody that is uh, is valuable. There are some names that like are popping up that are still available that he could be able to grab. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's still some talent out there. Uh, on the other side of it, though, another question that they need to answer is that they lost Tory Krug, and for a much more reasonable price than we had discussed a couple weeks ago. So I'm very surprised, but I also think it has a lot to do with the number of years attached to this contract. Tory Krug signs in St. Louis for six and a half a year for seven years, which seems like a deal for them that picks up some of the slack that Petrangelo is going to um, give up by moving on but also adds a different element. Uh, they have a pretty big decor, uh, like size-wise. So I think the thing that has always concerned me on the Bruins' back end was the size and that Tory Krug spending too much money on him. Uh, I think for St. Louis, he fits well there because they're not worried about, you know, having a guy that's too small leading, you know what I mean, four or five guys that are small leading the defense. They have those big – those big guys on defense. Well, it fits in good with St. Louis because St. Louis doesn't have many offensive defensemen. So like they've always been a very defensive team. Look at the the Stanley cup um, against the Bruins. They there, it's a lot of body. It's not like, not like they ever really took risks with that small of guys. So I think that this could be a, a move that really works with, uh, with St. Louis having a guy that can move the puck the way that he can on power plays and things like that. I think that it's, uh, it's not, a bad, not a bad move. It's not where I thought he was going to go, though. I thought he was going to end up in Vegas. And obviously, like we're going to talk about Petrangelo, stole that position. So... <laughs> Yeah, so we can just talk right about that. Uh, Petrangelo signs for seven years at 8.8. I think yesterday or the day before he signed this deal. And honestly, at that number, that's that's not a terrible number to sign him for. Uh, he's for sure not going to be worth it at the end of this contract because I believe he's already 30, maybe even 31. Uh, so by the end of this contract, he'll probably get bought out. 
But as it currently stands, uh, I heard he was asking, you know, upwards of 10 mil. So uh, 8.8 is not not a terrible uh, hit, I don't think. And, you know, like we were saying before, Nate Schmidt or Shea Theodore were the number one defenseman on that team. So I think last year they took care of – they needed that superstar forward. They got uh, Stoner. And now this year they said, all right, we need that mainstay on the defense. And they go and get Petrangelo. So these guys are serious about winning a cup. Uh, They're going to be strong contenders this year again. Uh, We'll see if they can pull it off. But I think definitely they see – they did well in drafting a solid team depth-wise. And now that it's been a couple years since they started – they're just at being able to add those big pieces that they didn't have that were all those protected guys in that expansion draft. Uh, I, I think that it's impressive the way that they, they arrived at the scene and were able to jump down everyone's throats. Like you look back in like 2000, 2001, when some of those new teams came in and it was a joke. And now like seeing the way that Vegas came onto the scene the last three years, they've done really well. And I think that they actually have a legit chance to win a Stanley cup within the next couple of years. Well, Bryce, you see George McPhee does what he does and he comes in and he builds a championship caliber team that can't get it done. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it for about a decade in, uh, Washington. But anyways, uh, the other huge signing that came out of nowhere where he ended up Halsey signs in Buffalo for one year, 8 million. I'm guessing just to make sure that he doesn't want to leave halfway through the winter because it's so cold up there. (laughs) I think that that is um, a move that nobody saw. And you hear all these rumblings for the entire playoffs and off season so far that Hall wants to go somewhere that's going to win. Hall wants to go somewhere that's going to win. There's got to be more around him than him and Jack Eichel. On the offense, I I actually don't mind their defense. I think that him with Jack Eichel could really be um, a good tandem, but then look at Skinner and Skinner signed an enormous deal that is another deal, like you said, is not going to work out. Not going to live out. So he had to have written into that contract, though. You do not put me on any other with any other centerman besides Eichel. Like he had to write that in there because yeah, I'm <laughs> this, could be, this could be a serious, a serious tandem, to be honest. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think Halsey was just like one of us for a day and was like, you know, it'd be sick if I was playing with Eichel. So, and he's going to try it out for a year. You know, if he likes it, awesome. They can stick around and maybe get the other pieces around them to make a run. Or if he doesn't, he can just jump ship after this year. It's not like he took a pay cut. He's getting 8 million. Um, But it is curious. Uh, I'm wondering if it was just, he was more worried about that money because obviously teams that we're talking about that, might try to add him that are close to a cup. They usually don't have that type of space. Like I think a lot of people were talking about the Bruins, but I was looking up and down there, you know, cap friendly the other day, shadow cap friendly. On their they, didn't really, they didn't really have anywhere 
to make that space unless they trade someone. And really, the only two people they have they can trade that would open up serious cap room are Tuka Rask and Dave Krejci, pretty much. But yeah. so, anyways, it's teams like that that uh, would be you know looking to sign him, and and for him to do that, he would have had to take a pay cut, which obviously he wasn't interested in at this point. Yeah, I mean, where he landed. I'm like I've always been a really big supporter of these one-year deals that he's getting a nice ticket, but it's also just another reason why he's going to have to prove himself this year. Because who knows if he has a crap year, he's not going to get that big that big payday like he he's kind of hoping for. And but if he lights it up, it's another situation where he could find himself in a five or six year deal for worth the same amount that he's going to make this year of 8 million. So it could be a make or break situation with him being in Buffalo. If he's, if he's lighting it up on a team that really doesn't have many pieces, I think that a lot of teams are going to look at that and be like, all right, we got to do everything we can to get this guy. Yeah. I think for sure it's a win-win for him in that sense, because if he comes, lights it up, lights it there, they're going to sign him to a long-term deal. They obviously don't have a problem spending money, like you just said, Jeff Skinner. But if he goes there and, you know, has a down year, then maybe he signs the one- or two-year contract with a team like the Bruins or whatever, Vegas, who, whomever is competing for a little bit less for, you know, four or five million and can actually fit in there. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Chicago – Resigns Kubalik, which is huge for them. They also got Matthias uh, Janmark for a year. Uh, I think those are pretty good signings. Dallas was able to re-sign Hudobin, which I am curious to see how that goes because he obviously played so good in, in the playoffs. Um, they're going to have Ben Bishop back. Uh, I'm sure during the regular season it won't be a problem. They'll probably go the old tandem route that a lot of teams are taking. But in the playoffs next year, it'll be interesting to see who gets the net uh, after, you know, the magic he made happen this year. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, everyone was kind of expecting him to sign there, like re-sign there. It was a good spot for him to be. I think that a tandem with – Ben Bishop is a going to be a wonderful thing for him. I mean, I still think of him as a backup, to be honest. I don't think of him as a starter. So I think that that's a spot that he could really um, just do his thing. He's He did well with Boston when he was there as their backup. He's done – he's clearly made his mark so far with Dallas. I think that that's a contract that is worth it and worth that risk for sure i think he's gonna enjoy himself no matter what he got a decent size ticket or i believe around three and a half uh might be a little bit below 3.3 maybe can't remember off the top of my head but uh yeah he's not gonna complain about that money and i'm sure he'll get plenty of ice time uh next signing we talked a little bit about this one we're curious to see where he would go if he would go to a winner or just where he thought was, you know, best for him. And it looks like he was not interested in going to a winner because he went to Detroit. Bobby Ryan signs in Detroit. Um, yeah, I, I was a little caught off guard by that. But also, you got to 
taking into perspective how many teams were offering him a deal. So I think that that's a spot that he, I don't know, he's on the back nine for sure. So we can, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a very interesting spot for him to land, that's for sure. Yeah, I think you look at it from two perspectives. One is what you said, you know, maybe there's just no one out there that was looking to sign him and Detroit wanted to sign him for that veteran presence. Um, obviously a guy who has persevered through a lot. And then the other way is that through that perseverance, you know, maybe he thought, hey, I can go to Detroit. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe he's got friends, family there, whatever. It's a good support system there. And there's no pressure there on me. You know what I mean? He'll just be able to go there and play. He can put like, I'm sure if he wants top six minutes, he'll, they'll give him top six minutes. I don't know who else is getting them or at least, you know, middle six. Um, whereas on a contender, he'd probably be a bottom line guy. So, you know, yeah. maybe he just wanted to go and play and, and have, have his fun, play his way not worry about winning a title, not worrying about being a role guy, just being able to just be him. So um, I think, you know, good for him to get that contract. Uh, Edmonton was busy. They got Kyle Turris, uh, which is not a bad little pickup there. Uh, Mike Smith at goalie, which uh, I'll key in on this one, Edmonton. That's not your answer. I think he might have already played there before too. Um, I believe he has. Oh, or he might be there. I don't know. I can't. Mike Smith. No, I think Mike Smith was just in Calgary. Um, but and then they get Tyson Berry, which I think is the best pickup here. Good is Tyson Berry, who had a, a tougher year last year on Toronto after having a few huge years with the Avalanche. I was actually surprised that he didn't just sign back with the Avalanche because um, what we were talking about before, they needed a defenseman. And they could have got him for cheaper than he initially wanted when, uh, you know, they lost him last year. Um, so Tyson Berry goes to Edmonton. I think that's a good piece. If he can get back to where he was in the avalanche, that's a huge pickup for them because their biggest weakness besides goaltending is their defense. Yeah, I, th I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful signing. And going back to the Mike Smith, Mike Smith played there this year. Um, okay, okay. So it was because, a uh, yeah, my bad. Talbot was in Calgary. Um, okay. so, but yes, I think that, that, um, Tyson Berry going there, I think that that's, they're starting to, starting to piece together things. Um, they're starting to piece together the signings that they need to figure out that back end to really become a contender. Cause you can't do everything with McDavid and dry saddle, but still in probably the biggest goalie market in, I don't know, what, five years, 10 years. I don't know. I've never seen Easy. a goalie market this deep on the free agency. Still don't sign a goalie. They still don't sign a goalie. I don't, I don't understand it, man. You got a million solutions right there and you just don't take them. I would have thought Holpe would have been a good signing for them, but instead uh, we can talk about that. Holpe goes to Vancouver for a surprisingly low number and term. 4.9 for two years. I believe he's from BC, so that could possibly have paid a, a, a part in this. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, a good signing for the Canadians – or, sorry, for the Canucks. They get him for a decent number and not a lot of term. He's an, a bit of an older goalie. Um, I would have thought he wanted to cash in. I don't know if it's because of 
you know, Corona year, there's just not that much money or if he just doesn't really care, but he could have easily got, like I was saying to you, five, six years for, you know, maybe because of COVID, not 10 million a year, but at least eight, seven, eight. So it was curious to me that he took less money. Um, I saw some people saying like, why didn't Capitals resign back? Even for that money, we, he was priced out of us if he wanted anything more than $3 million. You know what I mean? So um, any thoughts on Holpe? And then we'll talk about the replacement that the Capitals got. I like, I like uh, that. I like where he ended up. Um, I think that it made the most sense with uh, um, Markstrom leaving. And I think that that's going to be awesome for, Holtby to be able to groom groom Demko. Um, at first, I was kind of hoping Demko would be the starter when I saw that um, that there was going to be that open hole. But I no, I think I think it's going to work. I think that that's what they need. I, and did I think that um, I think that uh, the Canucks did everything they could to piece together the holes that they potentially found being in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. I think it's a good fit there. They get him, um, like we said earlier, they get Nate Schmidt. I think they're going to be another strong contender this year. Uh, I'm going to run through a few of these, and then we'll get to the last ones that I think we'll have more to say on. Radko Gudis, signs of Florida. Um, good for him. I actually kind of liked him in the Capitals. I mean, obviously, no, he's not a world breaker, but uh, he was never afraid to uh, rip the puck when uh, you're, you know, you're on your, your couch yelling at the TV, shoot. He's always shooting. So uh, love that about him. Uh, Tyler Toffoli signs with the Canadians for four years at a little over four. Uh, I think that's a pretty good deal for them. Corey Crawford goes to the Devils for two years. Um, I'm guessing similar, probably split time. Um, they get that uh young goalie there that escapes me so maybe just to help him mentor him uh I never really thought that fondly of Corey Crawford even when he was winning Stanley Cups but anyways he's still getting deals because of it Rangers signed Jack Johnson uh who everyone apparently thinks is the worst player in the world uh I mean for a million for a year whatever take a flyer on him I understand why everyone hated him in Pittsburgh he was getting way too much money to not be that great and the Sharks get Marlowe back, which is a nice little story there. So for the third, for the third time, he's a, yeah, yeah for the third time. Uh, and then okay, so the last few I have here: Wild signed Cam Talbot for three years at three point six seven. I'm gonna say the same thing that I said about the Edmonton Oilers in the deepest goalie class, free agent goalie class in my lifetime. You need a goalie, and you sign Cam Talbot. Let me tell you about something about Cam Talbot that I've learned since he's gotten into the league, and everyone thought, you know, maybe he's the answer to Edmonton's problems. He's not. He sucks. <laughs> 3.67 million is way too much for him, and that's not that much money for a goalie. So, but anyways, uh, any thoughts on any of those, Bryce, before we get to these last two here? Um, I like to point out, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, Toffoli going to Montreal. I was hoping he would end up in Boston, to be honest. I think that that's a great fit for him. Um, 
and Marlow headed back to San Jose. I, when they don't make the playoffs this year, where do you think he's going to end up getting traded to for a playoff? <laughs> uh, that's the that's San Jose's master plan. They just keep signing Marlow, and then they just trade him for a pick every uh, every tra- trade deadline, and then they re-sign him back until he's yeah, sick not, of it. It's not like he's still in his house in San Jose. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, all right. So last two teams here I want to talk about. Um, Toronto was busy as well. They signed Wayne Simmons, which is, I think is a great gift for them. Uh, something that they needed, uh, even if he doesn't live up to, you know, what we've seen him do offensively, what he can bring uh, as a physical force, I think will be important to them. They signed Zach Bogosian. Uh, from Tampa Bay I think he's just getting one million which is fine he's been a a great defenseman he obviously hasn't been of late he gets on that Tampa Bay team and you know plays okay gets a contract so um Um, that that Stanley Cup pedigree all that stuff I have a comment about that yeah I think that that's a scary spot for him to head with how critical the Toronto media is Oh, yeah, well, that's why they probably got him because they need someone to beat on for uh, yeah. the people to beat on, uh, you know, since uh, what's his name there left last year. Um, and oh, then they Gardner, Jake Gardner. Yes, Gardner. Gardner. They signed Jimmy VC, um, and then they also get TJ Brody, which I actually think is a good signing. I like TJ Brody. He's uh, pretty under the radar, but I think one of the most solid defensemen um in the nhl and i think four years at five million that's a perfect number for him so i think as long as he doesn't get chewed up and uh swallowed whole by the toronto media that he should be play pretty well there uh he's obviously did you see the awesome video of him when he was like 12 years old shooting a puck uh in the uh must have been intermission or or something um in like on the the uh on the ice with all the players. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, that's oh, that was awesome. Yeah, he was he was like twelve years old. He wearing a wearing a Maple Leafs jersey. So he must be really happy about heading back there. That's awesome. Um and then yeah, going back to Jimmy BC, uh just didn't work out for him in Buffalo. I, I thought he was gonna be a good NHL player, but um both places he's been, he hasn't really contributed that much. Uh, so we'll see if maybe Toronto's the place. I I don't know. Any thoughts there? It's a great spot for him because he's not a lot of money. Yeah. I think I think he if he gets some good line mates, that will be a really good um situation for him. Yeah, I think they gotta they gotta put him in a in a position to succeed or he's just not going to. Like I think he's one of those types of guys that if you put him in the bottom six, he's just not going to do anything for you. So he's got to play second, third line. Um, you know, maybe if he's doing well, bump him up to the first uh, to kind of even out the talent there. Um, but I think one of those low risk, high reward, another guy that if the, you know, the Capitals or even for you, the Bruins had signed I, for that amount of money, I, I would have been pumped about it just to see what you could get out of him. Yeah. Uh, Final final team here, we're going to talk about uh, my team, Capitals. They get Hank to come in, the king, coming to uh, Washington, D.C. 
Uh, I'm pretty happy about this, getting him for 1.5. I think he still has some left in the tank, so he'll be able to, you know, I'm thinking, well, depending on even if they do a full season, you know, maybe maybe get 30 to 35 games in for him, depending on how he's playing. Sam Sonov taking up the uh, number one job. And then also, obviously, if for whatever reason, Sam Sonoff gets into a rut, um, Hank's a guy that you can rely on to start still, I believe, for, for a stretch of time. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? I think that his beautiful face is going to look wonderful <laughs> in those uniforms. Yes, they I, look I really, wonderful in every uniform. Yeah, I really like uh, I like that. I think that it's a good spot for him to be. Um, the I, it, As sad as I was with him leaving New York, I think that it's a great spot with um, – being able to bring that veteran um, experience to their their net, uh, even if it is as a backup goalie, but he's also going to be able to bail you out when you need it. So, definitely, uh, they also signed Justin Schultz for two years at four million a year. I, this kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't even know they had four million a year to spend. Uh, so uh, they get Justin Schultz. Um, he, I believe he's their third highest paid D after that. Um, they re-signed Brendan Dillon. It's, you know, 100000 more than him. I think that was maybe just because he's a free agent and he gets a little more, um, whereas Brendan Dillon was already there. Uh, he's a free agent as well, but you know what I mean. Like, he was already there, so he obviously wanted to stay there. Uh, I think it's a pretty good pickup if he can get back to where he was a couple of years ago. Um, I believe he's had some injuries, so – uh, but he's a good puck moving defenseman and like also pretty solid on the on his own end. So uh, the Capitals were for sure looking for a, a fourth guy uh, behind Dylan uh, Carlson and Orlov, and they thought it was going to be Jensen or Kempney. And I don't know, I still like Kempney, but he he didn't play his best last year. But they were doing it between uh, Gudis and. Jensen on that right side, and it just wasn't happening. Uh, if I have to see Nick Jensen, if he doesn't learn how to stop just bombing passes across the middle of the neutral zone and getting them picked off literally every time he touches the puck, I'm going <laughs> to pull my hair out. But anyways, uh, I think that's a pick, good pickup. Uh, they still have some holes to fill, and I think that pretty much used up the rest of their cap space. So I'm, like, nervous because I don't really want them to trade anyone unless it's Jensen or Kempney um, to free up some space or like one of those lower end guys, but I really don't want them to move like an Oshi or anything like that to free up cap space. I don't think they will. I haven't heard anything about that, but they still need to fill um, a slot or two for at least one slot for forward. Um, but yeah. And then they also sign uh, TVR Trevor Van Riemsdyk. For a low, low price, which, yeah, I love it too. Good depth signing. Um, A guy that doesn't necessarily need to play every night, but when you have injuries can easily step in and play a third uh, defensive pairing role. I feel like his injuries have absolutely killed him. And it sucks because he is a guy that I've seen since his college days. He's had a lot to 
lots to prove not being a drafted. He barely made college hockey. Like he, he was going to go to a D3 school and went to a camp and ended up getting noticed by Dick Humilly, who obviously had his brother beforehand. I think it's a great, a great situation for him. Um, even though it's only uh, not a big ticket, I think that that's going to be a situation where he's going to be able to prove himself this year if he can stay healthy and he can re-sign there and be a great defenseman. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see how that pans out. Uh, another another low-risk, high-reward uh, signing there, much like the Jimmy Vesey one. Bryce, do you have any last thoughts about the draft trades or signings before we wrap this one up? I know it's been a long one, so appreciate anyone who uh, – hung in there and listened to the whole thing. There's a lot to get to. Uh, it's been an exciting week and looking forward to these last few signings trickling in. So got some guys out there, uh, Dadunov, Kovachuk, uh, I don't know, different guys around the league that are still looking for homes. So uh, it'll be interesting to keep up with those stories as they unfold. I think I'm waiting to see where Mikhail Granlin ends up, Mike Hoffman ends up, um, Galchenyuk. Soderberg. I, I'm going to be very curious of those guys specifically. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And uh, yeah. All right, Bryce. Thanks for coming on again. Uh, like we both said, still a bunch of talent out there. So be on the lookout for more pods coming up, covering all that action. Thank you again for listening to the recap. recap. Make sure to check out at the recap pod underscore on Twitter. Um, send us any questions, topics, anything like that. And we'll see you next time.